Charlotte. It's Shelby. It's Riley. And And it's it's time time to smut up and listen. Just a reminder for today's episode and all future episodes, our opinions are subjective. We don't advocate for kink shaming or author shaming. This is all in good smutty fun. Enjoy. Today's episode trigger warnings are explicit sexual content, domestic abuse, and murder. And today's book is Pen Pal by J.T. Geisinger. And how many stars did you give it on Goodreads, Shelby? Well, this is my second time reading it, and I gave both times four stars. Okay. I also, this is a reread for me. You told me to read this the first time uh-huh. after you read it. I gave it four stars the first time, but I think it was better on a reread. So yeah. is it a fiver now? It's a fiver for me. Four wow. on the first read, five on the second. Because I was like picking up a bunch of stuff that I didn't catch before. And I was like, damn, it's good. Uh-huh. Yeah. The reread was good. I'm glad we did it. Uh-huh. My quote for you, Riley, is, is this what you need, baby? You like it rough? Or do you want me to recite some poetry and make you a fucking cup of tea? Both. Well, would you? Yeah. (laughs) And mine is, I'm going to fuck you so hard, Bunny. You're going to take your master's cock on your hands and knees, totally naked in the middle of the woods. I'm going to fuck you so hard, Bunny. (laughs) Okay, so we start with our main character, Kayla. It's her POV. It's raining as she watches her husband's casket go into the ground, and she is numb and empty. She leaves before the service is over and goes back to her house, and she doesn't recall the drive back, but since the accident, she's not surprised because she's been in a very deep fog like very not present she notices an envelope on her dining room table and she's not sure how it got there since her house cleaner doesn't come until monday it's from washington state penitentiary and it reads i'll wait forever if i have to dante there's literally nothing else like xoxo dante xoxo gossip girl love gossip girl She's unsettled and she should just shoves it into the drawer for later. The next day she tries to do some work but she can't and she's a children's book illustrator. Sometimes she does like magazine stuff too but mostly children's books. She cleans up a leak in the kitchen and her housekeeper shows up but when the housekeeper sees her she like screams bloody murder and drops all of the bags like she wasn't expecting her. The housekeeper? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Housekeeper's name is Fiona and she stares at Kayla like she hasn't seen her in a hundred years and she's like are are you okay, Kayla? And she's like, yeah, I'm fine. Why? She's like, well, I saw what happened in the paper and I'm sorry. Doesn't say anything more. That's it. I want to know. She tells her housekeeper to leave the kitchen alone and she will get someone to fix the leak and to not touch Michael's office for a bit. Michael is her deceased husband. Fiona asks an odd question. So you're going to stay in the house for a while. And Kayla's like, yeah, for a bit. Okay, Fiona, it's her house. She decides on a whim that she's going to write Dante back and all she writes is, what are you waiting for? But she doesn't send the letter. She puts it in her drawer. Okay. And next week she gets a response from him and it's one word and it says you. So she's like, did I fog out not sending the letter or did I send it? She doesn't know. What the fuck? It's kind of giving haunting Adeline. Yeah. I feel like this book gives the paranormal aspect that I wanted from haunting Adeline. Yeah. Agreed. Hmm. A handyman comes to fix the leak and the new electrical problem she's been having. So she tells the handyman that random light bulbs will just burst out. Um, There's a weird burning smell from her dryer and like kind of random stuff like that. But it turns out all the electrical is fine. And he tells her that the roof is really bad, but he can't fix that since he's not a roofer. So she has to call someone else. She's very annoyed that he didn't find any problems with the electrical and he insinuates that that maybe her stress isn't helping her. Like maybe she's 
crazy without saying she's crazy. Chaos. <laughs> Mind your business. Yeah. Excuse you. you. You check the problem. Now leave. <laughs> he leaves. And when she follows him out, she sees another letter on her entryway table. And it says, Dear Kayla, you didn't respond to my last letter, which I understand because you think we've never met. You're wrong. I could bore you with the details, but for now, just trust that I know you. In every way one person can know another, I know you. I know the sight, sound, taste, and smell of you. I know your darkest darks and your lightest lights. I know your dreams, your nightmares, and every secret you've ever kept hidden. All those nameless desires you've never even admitted to yourself. I know the shape of your soul. I know your hands tremble as you read these words and your heart beats as fast as hummingbird wings. I know you want to tear this letter up and I also know you won't. How I need to touch you, how I need to hear your voice. I can't, of course, because I'm here and you're there, but the distance doesn't make the longing go away. I can still taste your skin. Dante. <gasps> you know what this is giving me, like, vibes of? What? Death's obsession. Oh, kind of. Yeah, like, like it's like death talking to her, you know? She puts the letter away and tries to explain who this is. She's, like, writing a almost like a pros and cons list. She's like, maybe Dante guy saw the newspaper article and he thinks I have some type of money from the accident. Maybe he's trying to scam me or maybe he has mental problems. And then she's not too sure because the letter's way too specific, but she can't think of literally any other explanations. Two days later, her doorbell rings and it's a mysterious man who is the definition of dark and brooding. He has dark hair, dark eyes, a beard. He is wearing faded jeans, work boots, and buttoned down with the sleeves rolled up showing off muscled tattooed forearms and she's like oh he's kind of sexy he's hot (laughs) and this is the roofer yeah she asks if she can help him and he says that he's aiden from seattle roofing she lets him in and shows them the leak and after inspecting the roof he tells her he can fix it but it's not going to be cheap around ten thousand dollars god damn yeah she's like um that doesn't work for me can we negotiate and they're like bickering back and forth for like a hot minute like she was like four thousand and he's like nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine and then he mentions that if she can do five grand he knows the guy the guy is him cash or check he'll be back tomorrow he's there the next day like he promised and again they bicker back and forth until she's like actually just get the fuck out of my house and he's like if you change your mind call me she goes to the bathroom and looks at her neck because she's wearing a scarf because it's freezing in her house and there's a hand-sized purple splotch around her neck with a thumbprint what is going on i don't know i do (laughs) (laughs) five days later and the marks are gone and she thinks that they might be from the accident but she's not sure and doesn't want to think about it She goes to her first local grief group meeting and she makes friends with a lady named Madison and she asks Madison if the group has helped her with her grief and Madison says no. So she leaves. She's like, never mind. I'm fucking leaving. This girl's like, no, you should get the fuck out right now. And at the group, Madison only talks to her and it seems like everybody (laughs) else is just like, fucking Madison, let's not talk to her. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Very rude. She walks out and straight to the bar across the street only to run into eight. She orders a drink and Aiden comes over to talk to her and they both apologize to each other for like how they acted the other day. And then Aiden asks about
about her and she almost cries so he's like hey like let's go sit down at a booth like I didn't mean to upset you he's like is your husband hurting you because she still wears her wedding ring and she's like no my husband left me also but why would that be her I don't know because she's like upset but she's also wearing a wedding ring and he can tell she looks sad so he's like is he hurting are you okay that just I don't think that'd be my like first question (laughs) is your husband hitting you (laughs) does he beat the shit out of you are you being abused physically (laughs) mentally emotionally sexually sexually (laughs) i forgot about that one (laughs) and then aiden takes the conversation a 180 he says can i ask you a personal question it would be great if you didn't ignoring that he says do you find me attractive and she's like i'm married and he's like that wasn't my question rate me on a scale of one to ten right now (laughs) he says because i think you're beautiful sad a little bitchy but fucking beautiful and i want you to come home with me tonight straightforward forward very straightforward i was like okay hey you look sad but you're fucking hot (laughs) (laughs) she's appalled but tell him no she doesn't think he's attractive and he knows she's lying so he asks again and then he like leans over and like pecks her like a very soft kiss and she's like what's this energy i'm getting from you very electric and then he gets him another round of drinks very forward I won't be able to drive home if I have any more to drink. Or is that your plan? My plan is to get you naked and find out how you sound when you come. Ooh. And her husband just died. Uh, like two weeks ago. Oh my gosh. Okay. He's like, you sad enough to fuck a stranger in a bar? I feel like you are. Deal of a lifetime. <laughs> she can't tell if she likes his straightforwardness or not. So she tells him that he's an interesting guy. And then he tells her, thank you. I think you're interesting too. His voice drops those eyes of yours are fucking amazing my cheeks and ears grow hot again the heat burns even hotter when he adds i want those eyes open when you come for me i'd be like okay mm-hmm. all right <laughs> say less dang you talked me into it i guess i'm sold <laughs> she tells him she's definitely not having sex with him and he says okay but if she changes her mind he lives upstairs above the bar and he's home every night after six and she leaves this guy is confident. He's like, after 6 p.m., I'm all yours. Get a little tushy up here. <laughs> she finds another letter that means nothing to her, and she puts it away before going to bed. Like, it's just a bunch of, like, stuff that doesn't make sense again. And she wakes up in the middle of the night to a noise, and it sounds like someone is walking in her house, like her floorboards are creaking. So she rushes out of her house and finds herself above the bar at Aiden's apartment. So that's the first place she went. Oh. Yeah. He wants to know what's going on, so she explains, and he brings her inside because she's soaking wet because it's raining outside, so she's just like a drowned rat standing at his door being like, let me in. He starts taking care of her and gets her some dry clothes and she asks for some bottoms and he's like why do you need pants and she's like because i'm i'm not wearing underwear and he's like same girl oh (laughs) but she decides you know what fuck it and takes off all of her wet clothes and stands naked in front of him i mean she already knows he thinks she's hot so might as yeah well. that would give me like that added little boost she doesn't care if this is crazy because she remembers like her kiss with aiden prior and then he like starts full-on making out with her now he kisses my jaw my neck my chest my breasts again too roughly and greedily i arch my back and close my eyes loving how his beard feels against my skin how hard he's breathing how he's not 
not treating me like I'm a fragile, breakable thing, but as if he thinks I'm strong enough to handle whatever he wants to give me. And I want him to give me everything. Like, right fucking now. Yeah. He kisses his way down her body and then starts to eat her out. He stops licking to suckle on my clit like he's drawing milk from a nipple. (laughs) (laughs) No, thank you. I'm literally picturing him sucking on it like it's like a bottle. (laughs) I hate that. (laughs) I orgasm in his mouth, mindlessly crying out his name. I get a split second view of thigh tattoos and an erection surrounded by dark pubic hair before Aiden is on top of me again, kissing me passionately as he slides the head of his cock up and down between my pussy lips to get it lubricated. He shoves it inside me with one sudden forceful thrust. He growls into my ear, tell me if I need to pull out or I'm gonna come inside you. Without waiting for an answer, he starts to fuck me deep and hard. (laughs) Oh my god, they are fucking. Uh Uh-huh. He continues to fuck her until she's coming again and then all of a sudden he's just coming because she did not specify so he's Um, like whatever that doesn't mean it's a yes he did it yeah yeah that's true she tries to tell him (laughs) that she doesn't do random hookups and he says that he understands and it was absolutely incredible but she will be spending the night with him and then he tells her that his new favorite sound is her coming and he wants to hear it again so he starts fucking her again hell yeah she wakes up in his arms and she likes it a lot and he asks if she's awake because he wants to fuck her again. I'm going to devour you, little bunny rabbit, piece by tasty piece. I'm going to eat you up. That's her little nickname the entire book. I love that. Do we like it more than kitten? Because I think I like bunny more than kitten. I like bunny more than kitten. Mm, I'd prefer to not be an animal. <laughs> but if you had to be. <laughs> uh, Probably bunny. Because kitten's like a baby. Or yeah, kitten's a baby it's like animal. It's a baby animal. Yeah. Yeah. Bunny could True. be... You know, full-grown, sexy, strong, independent woman bunny. Jessica Rabbit. Yeah. Jessica Rabbit. I mean, mm-hmm. there's so many sexy, sexy bunnies rabbit. <laughs> Lola Bunny. Hello. Uh-huh. Bugs Bunny. That's the hottest bunny I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She tells him only if he can catch her and then she proceeds to get up and run. And I put a question mark because running naked is not sexy. No. And it talks about how he's running and he's naked and his erection is just bouncing up and down. Uh Ah, And then her boobies are just bouncing and stuff. And I'm like, that's not sexy. No, I think if I saw Zach running around naked with a boner, I would just laugh a lot. Obviously, he catches her because his apartment is tiny. He kisses her hard and rolls her over, spanking her ass and he demands that she beg for him to fuck her and she's not sure exactly how the game works but she says no so he spanks her again and she's hella soaked over this he thrusts inside me so suddenly i arch and cry out in shock bending over me he growls into my ear you're gonna take it hard as punishment for running away from me ready yes Get ready to take my cum, baby. Open that sweet pussy wide. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, sir. With my neck arched and my hard nipple skimming the table, I orgasm around his throbbing cock. Take it. Take it. Take it. Take every fucking drop, my beautiful bunny. Tell me you love it. I'm picturing like Pennywise being like, take it. (laughs) 
Pennywise is hot. Pennywise is hot. Pennywise hot topic. He is hot. Yeah, I watch it and I'm like, oh, I'd go down there for a balloon. Do your little dancey dance, Pennywise. <laughs> I just know what's under the face paint and I'm yeah. like, yeah, Bill Skarsgård can get it. True. Saucy man. Saucy. They finish and he gently cleans her off in the shower. She starts to get tense and awkward wondering why she did that and he takes one look at her and knows she's freaking out and he's like they can stop whenever they want but he wants to keep doing what they're doing. She agrees and they both mention they should have talked about if they're clean or if she can get pregnant and he is like we should also pick a safe word and she's like we don't need a safe word. I like what you're doing and he's like no last time there was no safe word. He said this is end Entry level, baby. And he mentions that his dad used to beat his mom. And when he was young, he couldn't do anything about it. But then he grew up and then he stopped. And she tells him that like his past doesn't matter, especially when he did something to protect people he loved. But the present matters and she cares about what he's doing now. And he's like, okay, they don't pick a safe word. They do eventually. And I hate it. (laughs) They're safe word. I can't wait to hear what it is. What do you think it is? Mm, marshmallow. I don't know why, but that's the that's first guess. thing that came to my mind. Marshmallow! He makes her breakfast and then they go to her house to check it, but there's no sign of anyone there now or previously. And he tells her that he's going to call his friend Jake to come set up a security system for her. And when the rain stops, he'll fix her roof. She tells him that she'll go get her checkbook, but he tells her no, she won't, or she'll get spanked because he will not be taking money from her. And then he leaves and an hour later, his friend Jake comes comes in and gets the security system set up. She argues back and forth with Jake because Kayla likes to argue. I was going to say, damn. She doesn't want a super fancy security system, but he says that if Aiden realizes he didn't put in a good one, they're both going to be in trouble. So he's like, how about I don't put a shitty one in, but we don't put the fanciest one. And she's like, okay, cool. He's known Aiden since high school and Aiden has never liked or trusted people. And he seems to like and trust her. So Jake is like, Please don't fuck him over. And she's like, I will not. I won't do it. So they agree. And as they are agreeing on a security system, she looks behind Jake and sees a man standing on her tree outside. She doesn't know who it is. What? We learn that where she lives, her house is on a small island. It is 35 minute ferry ride from Seattle. And she has a boat that her husband, Michael, loved. So she's like, how is someone in my yard right now? Like, I know most of the people on our island. So she goes outside, but she sees no footprints from the man. And as soon as she's about to go back in, something catches her eye on the ground. And it's a buffalo nickel. It's specifically minted between 1913 and 1938, worth $2,560. And she knows all this because it was Michael's grandfather's coin and he carried it everywhere. And it was even buried with him. And it's somehow there. Yup. That's scary. A few hours later, Jake finishes the security system and shows her how to use it. He goes to leave and tells her that he hopes to see her with Aiden on a double date with him and his wife soon. And she agrees and goes back inside. Aiden comes back to her house after it's dark. He wants to get the tarp on her roof to help with the leak until he can fix it. But she's like, you should not go on the roof when it's dark. You're going to slip and fall. And he's like... I almost never fall because I'm obviously great at what I do. And why would it matter if I fell? And she's like, I don't I don't want to have that conversation. Oh, she doesn't want to have that conversation. Does it have something to do with her dead husband? Yes. Okay. Because he's like, would you care if I died? And she's like, 
I don't want to talk about this. Oh, well. Aiden says, I almost went crazy thinking about you today. And if you're not into this, I'd rather know sooner than later. And she finally responds and says that she really likes him. So if he were to fall off her roof, it would really fuck her up. And she's also incredibly attracted to him and will like to continue doing what they're doing. And he's like, okay. And then he's like, I'll go get this on the roof. (laughs) He's like, I knew you'd think I was hot. And then he goes on the roof and doesn't come back. Like he's supposed to come back inside, but he just leaves. He just tarped and darped. Yep. (laughs) Rude. (laughs) She writes back to Dante and is wondering why she even bothered when she gets distracted because she realizes, again, Aiden never came back inside and left without saying goodbye. And just as she's thinking this, directly above her, the master bedroom floorboards creak. She pulls up the security app, but there's no movement anywhere in the house or outside the house. Fuck no. She hears it again and she is mad, not scared. Like she's like, why am I scared? Like this is my fucking house. I'm going to tell these people to leave. So she goes to the kitchen to grab a weapon. And as soon as she gets to the kitchen, every drawer and cupboard is open and she has a feeling that someone is watching her. So she runs back to her office and locks herself in there until morning time. When the sun comes up, she leaves the office and then goes down to the kitchen she closes all the cupboards and drawers and she's like why was i so scared about this like in the daytime they're not scary she gets ready for the day and works for a couple hours when aiden texts her and she calls him and he can tell she's annoyed he tells her that she should get spanked for being annoyed with him that threat would hold a lot more weight if you weren't laughing at me i'm not laughing i've been obsessing about your perfect little ass all day how pink it got when i spanked it how you moaned he pauses i wonder how loud you'll moan when i fuck it. <laughs> She's, I'm gonna fuck your butt. I'm gonna yep. fuck that ass. She tells him if he wanted that so bad, then why didn't he say goodbye yesterday? And he tells her to come over and he'll explain it to her. But don't bother with panties because they'll just end up in shreds. And then he hangs up the phone. I'm gonna chew them up. before she leaves to go to aiden's she looks at her wedding picture with michael and she notices that he is smiling and looking at her and she's looking straight ahead not smiling at all and then she notices something that she never has before a few inches below her shoulder there's a smudge on her bicep so she tries to wipe it off of the picture but it doesn't come off because her arm was bruised the day of her wedding and there is a thumbprint indention on there as well Mm. she stands still and a noise blankets over her. It's a muffled scream as if it's far away or from underwater and then she leaves for Aiden's house. Aiden yanks the door open and kisses her passionately when she arrives. He quickly undresses her and carries her to his bedroom. He flips her over and delivers the spanks that he promised and then he stops because he's like, oh yeah, we never picked a safe word. Like, we gotta pick this real quick. Riley, do you still think their safe word is marshmallow? I do. It's cheesy. Cheesy? Yeah. Because she thinks it's cheesy. Uh, Imagine you're just like, you can't breathe, you're about to pass out and you just have to be like, cheesy. (laughs) (laughs) I guess that is better than like, <laughs> That's a big long safe word. That is. Yeah. Why not something like red? To each their own. Cheesy it is. Cheesy. Cheesy. Once she picks the safe word, she starts begging and shaking her ass to emphasize how much she wants him. She's a little cat. <laughs> in a dark, sensual voice, he says, shake that ass one more time and I'll assume you want me to fuck it. <laughs> Breathing hard, my whole body trembling, I say, do, do you want to? You know I do. Know what else I want? I whisper, what? He leans down near my 
ear so close I feel the heat coming off him in waves. Everything. I want every fucking thing you have to give me, Kayla, and I want you to give it to me without hesitation, without question, and without regret. There will be questions. (laughs) She says okay, but he tells her that's not how this works. They need time and practice leading up to that, and then he starts fingering her vagina. And just as she is about to come, he pulls his fingers out of her. He pulls his jeans off and lines himself up at her entrance. Then he fucks me, hard and fast, his fingers digging into my flesh. I feel the cold bite of metal on the back of my thighs and realize he didn't pull his jeans all the way down before taking me. He's in a hurry. He's ready to fuck. She comes and he thrusts hard a couple more times before he also finishes. He again cleans her off and holds her until he falls asleep and she can't help but compare how different the two relationships are between her and Michael and her and Aiden. Mm -hmm. She wants to tell him what happened with her husband but can't bring herself to do it. And we learn that her husband is dead because he fell off the boat and drowned and she watched it happen. And she falls asleep thinking about this. And I was like, that's a terrible thing to fall asleep thinking about. Yeah, honestly. She wakes up in the morning to Aiden rock hard and slipping his fingers inside her. He tells her that he is obsessed with the sounds that she makes and she shivers. You're shivering. It's not from the cold. I know, baby. Time to sit on my face. (laughs) (laughs) What a line. (laughs) What is it from? Why is she shivering? She's so horny. Oh. Yeah. She has a question for him, but doesn't know what the rules are, like what they're playing right now. And he tells her to ask her master for permission to speak. She does as he says, and she is rewarded with his finger sliding back into her. And then she asks exactly what he means by sitting on his face, because she's never done that before. He's surprised by this, but she says that she hasn't done anything that wasn't missionary, doggy, or a minimal form of oral. And then he says, I wish you know how perfect you are, how different and perfect. I've never met anyone like you. Whenever we're together, I feel like a new man, a better man. Like everything bad that's ever happened to me doesn't matter anymore because your sweet smile takes it all away. And I was like, because she doesn't know what sitting on your face means. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, you're so, you're something different. You're just so quirky. I love it. (laughs) No, get over here. Sit on my face. And then he kisses her deeply and explains how this is going to work. He rolls onto his back and pulls me on top of him, clasping his hands around my waist. He urges me up toward the wall, so I climb forward on my hands and knees as he scoots lower down the mattress. When my knees are on either side of his head, he pulls me down by my hips until my pussy hovers right above his mouth and I'm looking down between my spread legs at him. He warns, don't come until I give you permission and latches onto my clit with his mouth. <laughs> latches? <laughs> As she's trying not to come, he slaps her ass and tells her to write his face. She does and she wants to come, but he says not yet. Then he flips her so they're 69ing and he tells her to earn her orgasm and suck his dick. She's about to come again when he stops and says if she swallows his cum, she's allowed to come as well. And then he thrusts into her mouth and starts fucking her face. Then he flips me onto my back tosses my ankles up over his shoulders, shoves his still hard cock inside me, and unravels me all over again. Later on when they're finished and laying together, he tells her he needs to ask her a question. And then he asks what are the chances that she'll be getting back with her husband and she says zero. Then he asks why she still wears her ring and she says that she does it out of habit 
And does it bug him? And he says, yes, but also no. He doesn't want to be her rebound and he respects that she's going through a lot right now, but he also doesn't want to get hurt. And if it goes on any longer, he will get hurt. And she's mad, but more at herself for withholding the information about her husband. So she tells him that she doesn't want to stop seeing him and they both agree to take the relationship really slow. It's a little late for that. Yeah. He asks what her plans are for the day and she says that she needs to catch up on work. And then when she asks what his plans are, he says working on his house that he's building and and she wants to see it. Apparently, he's building a house like from the ground up all by himself. Damn. That's a handy man. Uh-huh. Yeah, that is. He's surprised by her wanting to see the house and he kisses her. But when the kiss breaks, he almost looks like he's in agony and she's like, what's wrong? But he won't tell her. He refuses to tell her. He does tell her that she should go home and do some work. She leaves. And when she gets into the car on the dashboard is the Buffalo Nickel. (gasps) And she put it in the desk drawer when she found it the first time. What the fuck? She grabs it and it's abnormally cold and she doesn't know how it got here because it's been in her desk drawer since when she found it. She gets home and locks herself in her office. She's only able to work an hour before she checks the security feed all the way back until she left yesterday for Aiden's house because she's like, maybe I missed something, like someone put this in my car and I just didn't notice it, but there's nothing there. And then when she looks out of her office window, a small blonde boy is on her lawn playing and she has no idea who's fucking kid this is and she can't see any adults hey you kids get off my lawn (laughs) she goes downstairs into the porch and the kid is gone and she opens up her app to see which way he went but the app is all static so there's a ghost somewhere a paranormal entity the next morning she wakes up to the security alarm screaming so she runs downstairs and fiona her housekeeper is yelling about how loud the alarm is I don't know why, but when you said this, <laughs> the security alarm screaming, I just picture the sound being like, ah! <laughs> Intruder! Intruder! <laughs> just over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or just like a woman screaming bloody murder. That would be so fucking scary. I feel like that would scare intruders away. Wow, I just came up with a million dollar idea. Look at that. TM. TM. <laughs> Patent pending. <laughs> Fiona turns around and screams bloody murder when she sees Kayla again. Fiona disengages the alarm and Kayla's like, how did you know the code? And Fiona's like, how do you think I know the code? She's like, oh, I must have texted it to you. You sneaky bitch. Something's off with her. Something's off. I feel like maybe the husband and Fiona were doing it. I think Fiona's an old woman. Oh, is she? Sorry. Yeah, she's like a like a 70 year old Scottish woman. Yeah. Okay. Well, I did not say that. (laughs) They could still be doing it, I guess. All of this stuff, Kayla's just kind of explaining it away because she's having all these lapses in memory. So she's like, maybe I did text it to her. Maybe I put the coin places. Yeah. Because she keeps having like lapses in her memory. It's the brain fog. She's like gaslighting herself. Uh She won't really like think about it too much. Fiona tells her that they should have a cup of tea and chat real quick. And as they sit down, Fiona says that she's really worried about Kayla and her well-being and that she knows something is troubling her 
her, so if she needs to talk about it, Fiona's a really good listener. She asks Fiona if she's noticed weird stuff in the house recently, and Fiona's like, yes, I have. Do you want to talk about that? Because Fiona thinks that there's a ghost. Mm. And Kayla thinks that's ridiculous, but Fiona names off all the things that she's been hearing and seeing, and a ghost is the only explanation. So the light bulbs burning out, the burnt dryer smell, noises and footsteps of people being there when they're not actually there, stuff being picked up and misplaced and then randomly showing up. And Fiona tells her not to be afraid, but they could do a seance to the spirit to hope that it passes. But Kayla's like, absolutely not. And as she shuts the idea down, the overhead lights turn off and on three times. The ghost is like, are you sure about that? I think we might need a seance. (laughs) Are you sure? I'm going to show you. Fiona and Kayla are sitting at the table still talking about the ghost thing and the seance situation and Fiona tells her to never ever tell a ghost that they're dead because they have no idea that they're not alive anymore. They're stuck until they get closure before they can move on and be at peace. Kayla is super skeptical but asks what happens next and Fiona says the seance. Her sister's a medium and will do it for free. She explains that spirits can use energy charged by their emotions to cause things to happen like her cabinets opening or the lights flickering and basically this entire book there's been a storm outside Like Mm -hmm. it's been raining, thunder, lightning this entire time. Kayla asks if the spirit in her house is mad and Fiona says it sounds like they're furious and that if they're trying to physically influence her, she may be experiencing headaches or memory loss. And Kayla has both of those things. (gasps) Every day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And she's always getting headaches. Kayla mentions the boy that she saw playing in the yard and Fiona thinks it's odd because ghosts are usually unhappy. So it doesn't really make sense that there's a little ghost playing yeah she then tells fiona about the man by the water and she asks when her sister can come do the seance so the man that like watches her through the window from the tree Mm -hmm. by the water Mm -hmm. she's like you know what let's fucking do this seance because that guy's creepy as shit yeah honestly fiona says she'll ask her sister and then get back to her and then fiona reminds kayla again that she can never tell the ghost that it's dead because they live in a world of their own making and only see what they want to see and if they aren't gently coaxed to come to the conclusion themselves they may get stuck to haunt forever. Fiona leaves eventually and Kayla goes out and puts her letter to Dante in the mailbox. So she wrote him another letter and she's like, I'm gonna mail it. I'm gonna send it to him. All right. She's thinking about something that Fiona told her about how when a spirit dies tragically or violently, they often can't move on. And she realizes that Michael could be the ghost. Oh. As soon as she finishes her thought, a crack of lightning rips through the sky. Another letter from Dante comes. It talks about how hindsight is just memories with new understanding and how love means sacrifice and that he'd gladly give what love asks asked of him a thousand times over. It's Saturday, so Fiona comes on Mondays. Now it's Saturday, and it's still raining. Kayla's reading Dante's newest letter, and she hasn't had any more paranormal encounters since Fiona's last visit. She looks out the window to the boat bobbing up and down in the water, and she gets a text from Aiden who says, you win, call me. They haven't spoken in six days. And was there a reason for that, or just... No. No, okay. While they talk on the phone, Aiden tells her that he was giving her space, and she says it's just been a weird week, and he asks her if she's okay. She says she doesn't know but tells him she misses him and he tells her to get her sweet ass over to his place because he needs her naked in his bed. Obviously. Duh. Kayla tells him that he could have called days ago but he says he was giving her space. She says she didn't want space but he said, yeah, but you needed it and he's gonna give her whatever she needs even if it's not what she wants. He then tells her she needs to forget everything 
thing so she can remember who she is again. When she gets to his apartment, he opens the door immediately when she knocks. So it's basically like he was waiting for her at the door. He kisses her and asks her how she wants to get fucked and she says any way he wants. And he says, any way I want what? And she says, any way you want, master. (gasps) Master. She went from missionary to BDSM real quick. Yeah, Uh she did. Yes, she did. A whole new world was open for her. He kisses her passionately and gets her naked real quick. He unzips his jeans and tells her to get on her knees and she starts to suck his dick. And he tells her that she's his good girl. And his praise makes her suck more frantically. Pace yourself, baby. You'll get my cum, but not yet. He opens his eyes and gazes down at me, running his thumb over my top lip as I bop my head, taking him deep in my mouth, then going shallower again. Look at you, he says hotly, on your knees for me, my hard cock in your mouth your eyes begging for me to fuck you do you have any idea how beautiful you are how perfect feeling crazed i close my eyes and swallow him as deep as i can gagging a little as i shove his girth down my throat so fucking perfect he whispers kayla my beautiful obedient girl you need to spread your legs for me and take that cock deep don't you baby you need your master to fuck you the vein on the underside of his penis throbs against my tongue his fingers tighten in my hair right now he could order me to throw my myself out the window and I probably would. Yes, you do, greedy girl. Let me watch you finger fuck that gorgeous pussy while you take my cock down your throat. But don't you dare come without my permission. He's got a dirty mouth. Yeah, he He does. does. I'm like, oh my god. Oh my, okay. (laughs) She does as he says and she is hella soaked. She feels like she's about to come, but he looks at her and tells her not yet. She's right on the edge and he pushes her onto her back, pinning her down and tells her to put her arms over her head and spread her legs. And if she makes one more sound, she'll be punished. He fingers her and she's trying her best to hold out on her orgasm, but she's so, so close. He tells her she's a sweet little bunny trying to be good. Between his legs, his erection juts out from the open fly of his jeans. It's big and glistens with my saliva. The crown flush red. The shaft is thick, tall and mapped with veins. I want it. I need it. I want it. (laughs) I want that dick. (laughs) I need him to impale me on it and fuck me senseless as he growls filthy things into my ear and perfumes my skin with his scent as he grinds against my body. Oh, the imagery. (laughs) He flips her over onto her stomach and spanks her hard and he tells her she's the most beautiful thing he's ever seen and that she needs to get up and run before he rips her to fucking pieces. (laughs) She does and runs directly to his room, slamming the door and locks it. But he kicks the door open. Ah! He just kicks it down. (laughs) You're going to have to fix that later, sir. (laughs) That's okay. He's a handyman. That's true. All this for fucking? Yeah. Yeah. They chase each other around the room and she escapes running back into the hallway. And he catches her when she makes it to the living room and drops her onto the sofa. You know what bad bunnies get, don't you? It's not a question, but it still requires an answer. Set free. He puts his mouth next to my ear and says hotly, no, baby. They get fucked in the ass by their masters. (gasps) Bunnies do not. (laughs) until they promise to be good i almost orgasm then my pussy clenches with need i groan in desperation wiggling my butt against him gripping my wrists with one hand aiden slides the other between my legs he rubs my pussy lips spreading the wetness up between my ass cheeks when his fingertips glide over my anus i squeal little piggy (laughs) he slides his finger in up to the knuckle i cry out stiffening this is mine he says darkly i'm gonna claim it he spits on his fingers rubs his saliva all over the sensitive knot between my ass cheeks then wait what's the sensitive knot 
her butthole described as a sensitive knot yeah i'm literally picturing like a knot as your little bum hole then holds me down as he guides the head of his hard cock inside me i cry out shuddering take your master's dick he commands and shoves it all the way in it burns and leaves me breathless my eyes watering and my ass muscles clenched oh my god yeah (laughs) that sounds stressful yeah it does she starts to beg her master to fuck her as she cries about the dominance he has over her that she absolutely craves he starts to fuck her ass hard as she begs him to keep going he fucks me hard and deep driving into my tender ass with relentless force (laughs) as i cry out deliriously and his heavy balls slap against my pussy (laughs) so some big balls huh (laughs) master master please may i come he pants yes baby give it to me he reaches around my legs and firmly tugs on my swollen clit (laughs) he just like pulls on it he's like honk honk It sets off in an instantaneous chain reaction. I gasp and buck. My pussy clenches rhythmically. My mind blinks offline as my body takes over, responding to his touch on a level beyond conscious control. Aiden, oh God, Aiden, I'm coming, I'm coming. They did not do any buildup like he said. No. No. And where's the lube? I'm going to say it every time. No lube. It's her pussy juice. That doesn't count. No. (laughs) He comes in her ass as she screams through her orgasm and when they're both done she breaks down and cries something about this really let loose a bunch of emotions inside of her and he comforts her and wraps her up in a blanket and pulls her onto his lap and asks if he hurt her she says no it was perfect and she loved it but she starts to sob hysterically against him he holds her until she calms down and he tells her she makes him feel like he's been living in a dark cave his whole life and he's just stumbled out into the sunlight for the first time and she tells him she's never met anybody like him before she tells him she feels absolutely happy and safe with him but says that when he walks away in the middle of conversation or shuts down and doesn't tell her what he's thinking it gets her really frustrated and he says he's just worried about giving his heart to someone who still wears a wedding ring she apologizes and he says she doesn't need to apologize they're both just taking this one step at a time and she doesn't need to explain herself to him and he picks her up and carries her to the bathroom to run her a bath she soaks for an hour and drinks a glass of wine that he brought to her and he feeds her apples and cheese what a king honestly Honestly. that is like nice yeah this is like a dream just like open your mouth and there's apples and cheese in there and when you have a glass of wine in your little bubble bath hell yeah what a dream aiden tells her he's gonna go out to the house that he's building tomorrow and asks her to come suddenly he asks her how old she is and she says she's 30 he tells her he's 35 and she says it's so weird that he asked her that because she was literally just thinking about how she doesn't know how old he is so it's almost like he can read her mind and he's done this a couple times too yeah she says there's something about her husband that she wants to tell him and he immediately asks if he's hurting her so he's very concerned about any potential abuse happening yeah she asks what he'd do if she said yes and he immediately responds that he'd kill him she asks if that's what he did to his father and he says yes she starts to cry and he asks again if her husband is hurting her and she says no again it's just that him threatening to kill for her is somehow very beautiful he picks her up and carries her wet body to the bed spreads her legs and starts to go down on her until she comes and then he lays with her and says that if this isn't something that she wants she needs to tell him before he falls in love with her but warns her that she doesn't have much time left he makes sweet slow love to her in a way that he's never done before and kayla feels like she feels the same way he does 
The next day, the weather is nice, so they ride his Harley to the house. Because, of course, he has a motorcycle. Of course he does. The property is up a long dirt driveway lined with tall trees. The view is amazing, and he gets off the bike and guides her to where the house is. The house is two stories and has a foundation and a roof, but nothing else. It's still a work in progress. And he says he's doing everything himself, and she's really impressed. He asks her if she ever wants kids, and she says yes. Her and her husband tried once, but she had a miscarriage. She was pretty far along, and she gets a flashback of the painful memory. She has the memory of a scream that isn't hers, angry and bearing down on her like a hurricane. The flashback leaves just as quickly as it came, and she gets the feeling that there's some important chunk missing from it. She's shaking now, so Aiden holds her, and after she calms down, he begins to kiss her all over her neck and down her chest. He's hard now and he tells her he hopes she can run on an empty stomach. She runs into the trees and hides, but he finds her quickly. She runs and hides again, but as she's sprinting, she trips on a tree root and falls and he's on top of her immediately. This is also giving haunting Adeline. Uh-huh. Yeah, it is. He strips her shirt off and tells her she needs to get fucked in the woods. He slides a hand under my torso and roughly squeezes my breast. Into my ear, he says hotly, I'm gonna fuck you so hard, bunny. You're gonna take your master's cock on your hands and knees totally naked in the middle of the woods yeah (laughs) she somehow gets him off of her and stands to run but he grabs her and pulls down her jeans presses her against a tree trunk and begins to spank her she's being naughty yeah yeah spank her the spanking stops abruptly when aiden thrusts his hand between my legs his mouth pressed to my ear he says oh soaking wet (laughs) 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 you need me to fuck this pretty wet cunt nice and hard don't you bunny dirty mouth (laughs) i sob yes you do i know you do and you know how much i want to he shoves two fingers inside me and finger fucks me from behind as i squeal and struggle oh god baby you're fucking perfection my dick is so hard for you i need to come deep inside this perfect pussy while you scream my name he thrusts his slick fingers into my mouth taste yourself bunny lick all that sweet honey off (laughs) oh okay okay sir he throws her over his shoulder and starts to walk to a flat grassy patch and plops her right down look at you all covered in dirt my sweet filthy girl he spanks me several times forcing me to balance on my elbows so i don't topple over sideways then he fondles my exposed pussy he's just like Pinching and stroking it as my stinging ass throbs with heat. He groans. You're so wet, baby. God, you're so fucking wet. It's all over your thighs. My pretty little bunny is so ready for me. Oh my God. She's just covered in dirt in her own juices. And he's like hot. (laughs) Yeah, he's like, God, this is fucking hot. (laughs) She starts to beg him to fuck her. So he pulls down the zipper of his pants and thrusts into her. Tell me you love my cock. I love it. My cries echo off the trees. He reaches under me and palms one of my swinging squeezing it roughly then pulling on the nipple it feels so good i moan again dirty little bunny he growls hotly you can't get enough of your master's hard cock you want my cum too don't you dirty girl you need your master to fill you up until you're dripping with it his laugh is dark and pleased yes good girl you take it like a sweet little cum slut should (gasps) cum slut look at that plump pink pussy tongue twister (laughs) stuffed with her master's fat cock 
<laughs> fat cock. <laughs> I'm stretching your pussy wide open, aren't I, bunny? Maybe my dirty bunny needs her other hot little holes filled too. He shoves his thumb into my ass. <sighs> so many things going on. <laughs> He's a talkative guy. I just can't he get over her is. swinging breasts. And he's like, oh, I got to catch it. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> he tells her it's time to take her master's cum and flips her onto her back. He fucks her hard and fast and she begs him to let her come. He tells her eyes on him while she does and not to look away. She immediately starts to orgasm and he follows soon after while they look at each other directly in the eye. This is very intimate for both of them and she notices something that looks like anguish in his eyes. It's her turn to comfort him when they're done and she holds him and tells him that he's wonderful and everything that she needs. He asks if he hurt her and she says aside from a few scrapes and bruises, she's super excellent. But that's just what happens when bunnies get fucked in the woods. Yeah. Sometimes you get a little cut. Yeah. It's little bunny fuckers. (laughs) (laughs) When they get back to his apartment, she showers all the leaves and dirt off of her skin and Aiden puts Neosporin on all of her cuts and scrapes. They go to bed and he wakes her up at dawn to make love to her urgently and she can tell something is wrong but decides not to pry. When she gets home, she finds Fiona in Michael's office and she's annoyed and says she thought she told her not to clean this room but Fiona says she doesn't remember. And Kayla's like, wait, I don't remember that either. So her memory isn't getting any better. I remember her telling that to Fiona. Uh Uh-huh, at the beginning. Fiona apologizes and says that she'll go start on the kitchen and Kayla brings up the seance. Fiona says her sister can do it at the next full moon in three weeks, but Kayla says she just wants to forget it. She's decided she's going to see a therapist instead. So the guy that came originally, the man that came to the house, the electrician, he gave her a card for a therapist because he's like, I've had similar issues to you. I had some weird shit going on. I saw this therapist and it really helped, but she doesn't really trust him because he smells like weed and he dresses like a hippie and he's a very strange man. He was very quirky, but he was like, if you want to see this therapist, let me know. Fiona says okay and leaves to go clean the kitchen. And Kayla looks over to see a newspaper sitting on Michael's desk. It has a picture of Michael on the front with the headline saying, Local Man Drowns. She knows she didn't put it there and she's never seen this article before. And she hears a bang on the window. And when she looks out to see what it was, she sees a blue jay laying on the ground with its neck broken. So a bird flew right into her window. Sad. She runs out and locks herself in the bedroom feeling like this is a bad omen. Then she hears a door slam downstairs and suddenly feels like she's being watched. Everything in her room all of a sudden seems ominous and she looks down at the bed to see an indentation on it when she knows she made the bed this morning and the indentation is on Michael's side of the bed. Hate that. Mm-hmm. Terrifying. The doorbell rings and she grabs her phone to check the camera, but there's nobody there. So this has also happened a bunch of times where the doorbell will ring and she'll answer it, but there's nobody there. Yeah. That was why she originally called the electrician because the doorbell just kept ringing and she's like, it's got to be an electrical issue because it's just going off. Oh, no. She calls Eddie. And Eddie is the electrician Mm -hmm. and tells him that she needs the number of his therapist. And he says, yeah, for sure. And then is like, um, actually, I don't remember his number. And she says, isn't it saved in your cell phone? And he's like, cell phone. Yeah, he's like, what's a cell phone? What? What time? What time period is this? Now. It's like, yeah, it's like present day or whatever. Mm -hmm. Okay. But she kind of like chalks it all up to him smelling like weed and being real quirky. So she's like, you're a fucking weirdo, Eddie. She's like, fine just give me his name and he says dr letterman dr david letterman (laughs) Uh, 
And she's like the talk show host. And he's like, who? What the fuck is happening? Eddie tells her his office is in a building in town. And when he describes it, she knows exactly the one he's talking about. So she decides she'll drive down there this afternoon and she can pick up her dry cleaning while she's at it. She gets a sharp stabbing pain in her eyeball and the headaches are back. She falls asleep and wakes up four hours later and she gets dressed and drives to the office building. And when she gets out of the car, she looks around and sees a curvy brunette with a man's arm draped around her shoulder. And the man is Aiden. (sighs) Aiden, you bitch. She immediately gets back in the car and lays her head on the steering wheel. And a couple minutes later, she hears a knock on the window and it's obviously Aiden. He tells her to get out of the car. So she does. And he walks her to the sidewalk and they stand there silently looking at each other when he finally asks her what's wrong. She says nothing. And he tells her that she's lying and to try again. She asks how his date is going and he laughs and grabs her arm and drags her into a nearby restaurant. Kayla sees his friend Jake, who's the one who installed the security system, and she realizes the brunette is jake's wife deb okay phew (laughs) yeah aiden introduces kayla and they invite her to join them for dinner and she reluctantly agrees Kayla tells Deb that she saw her and Aiden together and thought they were on a date and Deb laughs and is like, nah, he's practically my brother. They all order a round of drinks and Deb gets to chatting with Kayla and she can tell that she's going to like this woman right off the bat. And they spend the rest of the meal chatting and having a great time, but she knows when Aiden gets her alone, she's got some groveling to do because she accused him of something he Uh wasn't doing. He's going to get spanked. (laughs) (laughs) Kayla zones out during a conversation and realizes everyone is looking at her while she twiddles with her wedding ring. And her hand is just on the table. Deb asks Kayla to come with her to the bathroom. And when they're alone, Deb tells her that Aiden understands that the only way to get through something is to keep going until you reach the other side. And she's only just started the process. When the girls get back to the table, it's clear that they've just interrupted an argument between Jake and Aiden. And when they sit back down, Jake looks at Kayla's wedding ring and says that Aiden doesn't deserve any bullshit and asks what she's doing with him. Aiden is pissed and tells her not to answer that. And he tells Jake that he's out of line. Kayla tells Jake that she's not otherwise committed. She's just like everyone else in the world trying to figure things out one day at a time. And she turns to Aiden and tells him that when she thought he was out with another woman, it made her realize she wants this with him and she's scared and he says me too she doesn't need to be scared and he'll catch her if she falls he'll always catch her jake says he Uh feels like an asshole now and deb's like yeah you are one and you can pay for everyone's dinner now yeah jake why won't she just say that like my husband's dead she doesn't want to process anything yeah she's just like nope i like my brain fog all of a sudden she sees the man from under the tree but he's staring at her in the mirror of the restaurant don't like that Uh uh-huh But when she turns around to get a look at him, he's already gone. As they're leaving the restaurant after dinner, Aiden tells Kayla she's going to his house and brings her to his truck. The drive is silent and tense. And when they park, he asks her why she feels like she can't trust him. And she says it's her she can't trust, but she knows that she wants him more than anything. And she doesn't understand how it happened so fast. And she asks him what he's doing. And he says, taking her back to her car. She's going home. That's her punishment. (gasps) Aiden. He says right now she needs space. He wants to slow it down between the two of them and start taking baby steps because he doesn't want her to look back and have regrets about how fast they took things. He parks outside her building and tells her to call him when she's got some clarity and when she's ready to take the wedding ring off. 
She begs him not to leave it like this, but he tells her to get out of the car. And she opens the door and gets out, just staring at him as the rain falls down on her. And he says, God damn it, Bunny, just fucking do it. So she slams the door shut and he drives away and she just stands there in the rain crying. That's so sad. I know. What a movie. She doesn't sleep at all that night. And the next day she decides to go see Dr. Letterman, but sees a sign for a psychic instead. So she's like driving and she sees the sign and she's like, you know what? Let's fucking do the psychic thing. Let's go for it. She knocks on the door and an older woman opens it, looks around and slams the door in her face. Right after this, a younger looking woman opens the door and tells Kayla to come in. She tells Kayla that her mom's vision and hearing isn't the best anymore. So she has Kayla sit at a table with a tarot deck and a crystal ball. The woman introduces herself as Destiny and tells her to ask a question so she can pull from the deck and Kayla asks how to move on from her husband. She picks up three tarot cards per Destiny's instruction and when she lays them on the table, Destiny's eyes are wide and she's frozen. Destiny tells her this is a very complex draw. The card on your left is your past. This is the Ten of Swords. Swords carry a powerful masculine energy that deals with the mind. As you've drawn it upright, it indicates crisis, loss, deep wounds, painful endings. She glances up at me. Betrayal. The skin on the back of my neck crawls. She points to the nude couple. The card in the middle is your present. You've drawn the lovers, which normally represents a balance of forces, complementary energies, trust in a relationship, harmony, and strength. But here it's reversed, which indicates disharmony and imbalance. Whatever's happening in your love life will cause you great pain. Destiny points to the card on the right, the armored skeleton on horseback. This card represents your future. When she doesn't say more, I prompt impatiently, and what does it signify? She says simply, death. (gasps) When the death card is reversed, it means you're resisting change. There's been a major upheaval in your life, but you're not letting go of the past, and the longer you refuse to let go, the more painful your situation will become. You must purge yourself of old baggage before it weighs you down permanently. Destiny tells her to pick one more card to better understand what the death card wants her to let go of. She gets the magician, and Destiny tells her that means she needs to let go of her illusions. Kayla asks what illusions and Destiny suddenly looks very sad and says only she can answer that question, but she might be holding on to something regarding the betrayal. A memory pops into Kayla's head about a woman at Michael's holiday party calling him a prick, the same woman who stood behind her at his funeral weeping. Kayla tries to pay Destiny for the reading, but she refuses, saying the reading's on her. As she walks out the door, Destiny yells after her to have sight. As she's walking out the door, Destiny yells after her to have safe travels, and Kayla feels something very ominous about this statement. Later on, she writes a letter to Dante about how she feels like her life is out of control and unloads her feelings on him about the fortune teller, the haunting, and that she's falling in love. She asks for words of wisdom. Two weeks later, she gets a letter back saying that she's the one with the power and she really needs to stop and listen to herself and ask what all her thunder and lightning is telling her. She's annoyed at how cryptic this letter is and she doesn't even know why she keeps communicating with this man. There's an underlying reason, but she just can't put her finger on it. She hasn't spoken with Aiden since he dropped her off that night and she'd gone to Dr. Letterman's office, but surprise, surprise, there's no Dr. Letterman. Nope. (laughs) She hears laughter and looks out the window to see the little boy playing in the yard again and she's free freaking out and terrified but decides to go outside and try and find his mom. When she gets outside, the boy stops and stares at her before screaming in terror and running away. And she's terrified by this and runs and looks around for the little boy, but he's gone. She can feel someone watching her and she whirls around and looks up to the master bedroom window and sees the little boy staring down at her. (gasps) No! (laughs) 
She runs inside and barges into the room, but he's gone. She pulls up the camera feed, but it's nothing but static again. She takes a glass of wine to the bathroom and the lights start flickering again and she sobs thinking about how much she needs Aiden right now. That night, she has a nightmare that she's drowning and wakes up screaming. She has the same nightmare the next three nights in a row. She's completely breaking down and she can't get the smell of rotten flesh out of her nose. The TV turns off every time she turns it on and the wind outside sounds like it's whispering to her. She decides to text Aiden and tell him that she misses him and after a while he replies that he misses her too. She asks if he can come over and he asks if she's still wearing the ring. She says, please Aiden, I need you, please, but he doesn't respond. The doorbell rings, and nobody's there, of course, so she decides to just get drunk. Monday morning, she wakes up to Fiona standing over her, calling her name, and she's passed out on the living room sofa with a horrible headache. Kayla asks Fiona what she's supposed to do when someone is giving her space that she doesn't want, and Fiona says, they close the door, but you want it open? And Kayla says, yeah, and so Fiona says, you knock. Just then, the doorbell rings, and when Fiona answers it, there's nobody there. God damn. Kayla says at this point she does want to do the seance. So she's had it with this fucking ghost. She's like, I'm tired of this. Yeah, I feel like at this point I would too. And I would also get drunk constantly. Hell yeah. That would, yeah, fuck no. When she says this, the TV turns on by itself and one of the light bulbs in the hallway explodes. She writes to Dante again and tells him that his last letter didn't make any sense. As a matter of fact, none of his letters make any sense. She tells him like she feels like she let go of the rope that tied her to the dock and now she's drifting alone out to sea in a leaking raft that's being circled by hungry sharks. The wind is picking up and it's starting to rain. She's drowning and what she needs right now is a life jacket. She's also getting fucking cryptic with it. Yes, she is. The full moon is tomorrow night and Kayla's filled with anxiety about the seance. She still hasn't taken off her wedding ring and she has no idea why, but something just feels wrong when she takes it off. Another blue jay kills itself on her window and she feels like it's got to be some sort of sign at this point. So she Googles it and apparently dead blue jays mean she's running away from her problems. The next night, Fiona's sister Claire arrives and I guess her and Fiona look almost identical. Claire tells her that she's been communicating with ghosts since she was a child. So she's in good hands. They'll find out what this one wants and have her on her way in no time. And Kayla's like, nah, my ghost is definitely a male. So Claire gendered the ghost as a female and Kayla's like no No. I see a little boy I see a man it's giving male vibes Uh and Claire brushes it off and is like well I have two other seances tonight so I must have gotten them mixed up and she says she's getting a really strong energy reading from Michael's office and thinks that they should do the seance in there there's a loud boom of thunder outside when she says this and they all walk into the office and Kayla apologizes for how cold it is I guess the room is like absolutely freezing (gasps) ghosty yeah Kayla and Fiona move a round table to the center of the room while Claire gets set up. And Claire brings out a box of chocolates and says it's an offering to the spirits. She tells Kayla to turn off any electrical devices and to take off all her jewelry, meaning her wedding ring. Fiona shuts all the light in the room off, plunging them into complete darkness and there's more thunder outside and they all take their seats around the table. Claire reminds Kayla again to take her wedding ring off and when Kayla tries to just put it in her pocket, she's told that it can't be anywhere on her body. So she sets it on Michael's desk right next to the newspaper with the headline that says local man drowns and moves it until it's sitting right on top of the photo of Michael's face. 
Claire tells them that no matter what, they need to keep their composure and remain silent and not to break the circle of energy by standing up. She's going to try and initiate contact with the spirit and ask them yes or no questions that they might answer using her body, either making her talk or using her hands to draw on a pad of paper. Kayla says she's ready and they start and Claire welcomes the spirit to join their circle. Nothing happens for about a minute, but Kayla feels queasy and cold. Suddenly, Michael's college diploma slides right off the wall and lands on the ground. Claire asks the spirit if there are more than one of them, knock once for yes and two for no. And there are two loud knocks. Two knocks? Two knocks for no, so there's only one spirit there. Okay. Claire thanks the spirit for their presence and seems to go into some sort of trance. Claire asks if they know any of the people in the room. One knock. Did they know this person when they were alive? One knock. Is it Kayla? One knock. (gasps) Spooky. Michael, is that you? Do they have a message they'd like to pass along? And there's one loud ass knock. Claire grabs the pencil and invites the spirit to give her the message, but nothing happens. So after a few minutes, Claire rephrases and asks the spirit what it wants. Claire's hand starts to move, jerking back and forth over the paper before it suddenly stops. And it just says, revenge. (gasps) Oh my god. I know. All the candles in the room are blown out and Kayla feels cold fingers brush against her cheek. She screams and runs out of the room to the kitchen and she's followed by Claire and Fiona who ask her to sit down and talk at the table. Claire tells her that the spirit's anger doesn't seem to be focused on Kayla herself and says that she may be able to help the spirit with whatever revenge it's referring to to help them move on. Fiona chimes in and says that they need to make contact with them again and Kayla says absolutely not and Claire suggests that she do some research on the house then to find out who lived here before she did. Maybe she can get some answers that way and Fiona tries again to convince Kayla to let them contact the spirit but she refuses so Fiona tells her she needs to research the history of the house then. Claire says that if she changes her mind to give her a call and opens the door to leave but freezes when she sees something sitting outside the front door. It's a life jacket. (gasps) Dante. Kayla starts laughing and says she thinks she knows who's haunting her. Her pen pal. And they go back inside and Kayla shows them all the letters from Dante. As Claire inspects one of them, she notices some blood on the corner of one of the pieces of paper and says maybe it's a clue. Kayla asks why the letters would be postmarked from a prison if he's a spirit, and Claire tells her that maybe the spirit feels like he's being imprisoned. Claire tells her she needs to guide the spirit to realize that they're dead so as not to push them further into denial and asks how she'd feel if someone were to tell her she was dead, and Kayla's like, yeah, okay, fair. Fiona tells her to start by researching Dante's name. And Kayla says, yeah, she was thinking about doing that anyway because she has a detective friend who interviewed her after Michael died and a light flickers in the room and completely goes out. Claire tells her she's headed in the right direction and she asks the spirit if they're still with them and a door slams down the hallway. So she tells Kayla to call the detective right now and asks to borrow a laptop. Claire goes to the office to go get the laptop and Kayla asks Fiona what the fuck is going on and she says Claire thinks they're about to have a breakthrough all the lights are just flickering on and off in the house now oh shit Claire comes back with the laptop and hands Kayla the buffalo nickel and says that it was sitting on the computer lid and she thinks it may be significant and that's definitely not where Kayla had left it so she's freaking out all over again and the weather outside is just getting even crazier suddenly a metal object drops from the ceiling and lands on the table right next to the coin and it's her wedding ring how to get on the ceiling yeah what the fuck 
Claire tells Kayla to call the detective. They don't have much time. So Kayla goes to the drawer where his business card is and calls the Seattle Police Department asking for Detective Peters. She's told by the woman on the phone that Detective Peters passed away, but she'll transfer her to his replacement. When she does, Kayla is sent to the man's voicemail, so she just hangs up the phone, and she tells Claire what happened. So Claire asks Kayla when the detective died, and Kayla's like, I didn't ask that. Why does it matter? What is happening? Claire opens the laptop and starts typing in the web browser saying she's looking up the property records for the house to find out who owned the house before Kayla did. The deed to the house pops up saying that a couple named Sandy and David Wainwright bought the house in January. Upstairs, a door slams and Kayla hears running and a child's laughter. Kayla asks if there's only one ghost in the house, who's the little boy and how does the gaunt man in the hat fit into all of this? She looks at the women who are looking at her the same way the psychic did with sadness and pity. Claire tells her it's okay not to be afraid and to give her the phone. She's going to call the police station. Kayla doesn't want to for some reason and freezes and the storm outside is going wild so Claire just grabs her phone herself and hits redial and asks when Detective Peters died and she's told he died six months ago. She thanks the woman on the phone and hangs up and her and Fiona are looking at Kayla with sad eyes again. Kayla says this is impossible. The accident was two months ago when Detective Peters sat on the dock with her and interviewed her and Claire says she doesn't doubt that he did. Kayla looks to Fiona for help and Fiona tells her that she needs to understand that very few people can communicate with spirits mediums, some psychics, and some gifted children. And a child laughs upstairs again, and she finishes by saying other ghosts can as well. Kayla is super taken aback by this as a light bulb overhead explodes, and stuff starts to click in Kayla's head, and she whispers no, and Fiona says, yes, dear, I'm afraid so. (gasps) She's dead? She's dead? So the other guy she's fucking is also dead. She starts to think back on the woman at the support group who was ignored by everyone except her, how Eddie dresses like a 70s hippie and doesn't know what a cell phone is, how none of the roofers called her back, and how shocked Fiona was when she'd come into the house that day after Michael's funeral and saw Kayla there, how the security footage only recorded static whenever she went out to the yard, and she looks up to see Fiona crying. Kayla runs upstairs and starts rifling through drawers until she finds Eddie's business card, and it's frayed and yellowed and looks decadent old. She dials the number and asks to speak with Eddie and an angry man tells her that his grandpa Eddie died back in 1974 and more light bulbs explode in the ceiling and Fiona comes up behind her holding one of Dante's envelope asking her to read the return address. It says Dante Alighieri but the letters start to move and change around until it says Aiden Leewright. What? Kayla starts to sob and bursts into Michael's office. She grabs the newspaper and unfolds it completely to read the full headline. So this newspaper was folded in half. Yeah. And the, the full headline reads, Local Man Drowns Wife. What the fuck? Her photo is on the other side of the article. Her memories of the funeral come back to her and she realizes that it wasn't Michael's grave she was at. It was her own. The windows of the house explode, sending glass flying out into the storm. And Kayla looks over to Fiona and Claire to see a small, terrified looking boy clinging to Fiona's leg. She knows this little boy is the son of the couple who bought the house after Michael killed her. Michael didn't die. Aiden did. And Michael killed him right before he killed Kayla. Holy shit. We get Fiona's POV. Sandy comes running down the stairs to grab a terrified Bennett. 
Claire yells for the mother to take her son back upstairs as papers fly all around the office and photos fly off the wall. The light bulbs are exploding. The books are flying off the bookcases. She looks back to where Kayla was standing, but she's gone now. Fiona knows that there's still more of her story she needs to find out before she can pass on. What the fuck? We get Aiden's POV. Kayla was the most perfect woman he'd ever met, but there was something sad in her eyes. She never judged him for going to prison as a teen for killing his father to save his mom from his abuse. Her husband Michael was a genius and everyone treated him like he was a god because of how brilliant he was and he'd let it get to his head. When that got mixed with his lack of empathy and obsession with being in control, things got really bad. Michael was beating Kayla and kicked her so hard in the stomach she'd miscarried their child. Oh my god. They'd separated after this, but he'd been following her. Aiden wanted her to get a restraining order, but Kayla said going no contact would work best, but it didn't. Aiden meant what he said in the letters when he told her that he'd pay the price for love a million times over but he underestimated how violent Michael was. Aiden thought if Michael killed him he'd spare Kayla but he was wrong. We go to Kayla's POV four months ago. She's looking at her wedding ring and realizes she can't take it off because it symbolizes her dead child and her dead marriage. She decides to hold a funeral and puts the ring, the marriage license, and a sonogram of the baby into a shoebox and buries it in the backyard. She goes to Aiden's apartment to tell him she has clarity now. He looks at her bare ring finger and says thank fuck he hasn't been able to breathe without her. He grabs her and they start to make out and he carries her to his room and sets her on the bed, but there's something hard under her back. It's The Divine Comedy by Dante Alighieri. And Kayla laughs and says, that sounds like a made-up name. And she asks what it's about. And he tells her it's about a man's journey through hell. And that he thinks it's pretty cool because the author's name is an anagram for his. He tells her about the story and about how the man eventually ends up making his way to heaven. And she asks him what heaven would be like for him. And he just says, you. That's the night she completely fell in love with him. They spend the next few months together until New Year's Eve when it all ended. We get to New Year's Eve. They're lying in Kayla's bed after some amazing sex and she tells him she loves him and he tells her he loves his sweet little rabbit. Aiden tells her there's a fireworks show at midnight and they could go out on the boat and watch it with chocolate and champagne and make love under the lights. They go out to the boat and Aiden helps her in and Kayla starts the boat and calls back to Aiden asking if he's ready but he doesn't reply. She gets off the boat and looks around to see Aiden frozen with Michael standing a few feet away from him. Michael's wearing a trench coat and a hat and she knows it's him because that's what he was wearing the few times she'd caught him following her. He's thin and looks like he's not taking care of himself. His eyes are wild and he's holding a pistol. Michael tells Kayla he's taking back what's his and if he can't have her, nobody can and does an evil laugh. She screams at him that she's not his, it's over, and Michael points the gun at Aiden's chest, and Aiden asks Michael to put the gun down, but Michael tells him he doesn't get to tell him what to do. Aiden says that he's the one that started it all. Kayla never wanted to leave Michael, but he'd convinced her to. He'd convinced her to file for divorce and to let Kayla go, and they can talk about it man to man. Aiden asks Michael to let Kayla go, and he'll give him that apology he deserves, and Michael says that they're both liars and they both deserve to die. And Aiden yells that nobody has to die, and to put the gun down but Michael tells him that one of them definitely has to die and he needs to choose and if he doesn't he'll shoot them both. Aiden volunteers himself and looks at Kayla and tells her he loves her and will until the end of time and Michael shoots him right in the head. Michael! Blood and brain matter are everywhere as he falls to the ground and Kayla screams and runs to Aiden's body and rains kisses all over his face but he's gone. There's a sharp pain in the back of her head and everything goes black. Suddenly she's being dragged by Michael across the back of the boat and she realizes that she's been pistol whipped. 
Michael rolls Kayla into the water and she's struggling to swim and she can see Michael laughing maniacally on the boat and he reaches out his hand and she tries to grab it thinking he's going to help her but he grabs her neck and starts to strangle her and as this is happening his lucky buffalo nickel falls out of his pocket and sinks into the water. The fireworks are going off above her as everything goes to black and her last thought is that she loves Aiden. We go to the present and Kayla opens her eyes and realizes that everything in her house is different. The walls, the furniture, the people in the photographs and there's no more storm outside. The doorbell rings and she opens the door to see Aiden sitting there on the porch and she falls into his arms and she starts to cry saying that he found her and he says he never lost her. Who did she think was ringing the doorbell this whole time? Aiden. Aiden. You so cute. Ding dong ditcher. She says she's sorry. She was too confused to see and he says that he told her he'd wait forever if he had to and he tells her that he was the one knocking during the seance but everything else in the house was her and she'd really freaked the Wainwrights out. She asked asks if he knew what was going on the whole time. Why were the letters postmarked from the prison? And he says, that's because that's where a certain asshole is being held and he'd like to go pay a quick visit. And she laughs and tells him he's diabolical. We get to the epilogue and Michael is in a session with a forensic psychiatrist while he awaits trial. He's getting annoyed about the psychiatrist not calling him Dr. Reese and tells him the court can kiss his ass. He has three degrees from Ivy League schools and the doctor's medical degree isn't impressive. Michael broke a guard's arm during a violent outburst and he thinks his attorney is an idiot. The doctor asks if he understands the charges against him and Michael says that he was defending himself from an attack and that someone like him shouldn't be in prison. He's too important and he'd acted in self-defense so he's the victim. The psychiatrist tells him that there's a documented history of violence against his ex-wife and record of him stalking her. They also found out he was having an affair with a co-worker and he'd taken a life insurance policy out on Kayla. All of a sudden, Michael starts to stare at the wall screaming, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. And he's just screaming, pounding on the door of the room, begging to be let out. And he says, it's her and him and is just begging for them to open the door. (laughs) The psychiatrist (laughs) makes a note that he believes Michael is faking it to be deemed mentally incompetent to stand trial as Michael rocks back and forth in the corner of the room. He screams for them to stop saying that and the psychiatrist asks what they're saying and Michael just says, boo. (laughs) (laughs) This is boo. Michael is tranquilized and transferred for further evaluation. The end. Oh my god. It's a twist you don't expect. That is so twisty turny. Uh Uh-huh. I did not expect that at all. Yeah. But I feel like if you read it a second time, it's kind of obvious. Yeah. You pick up Charlotte's all the clues and stuff. But the first time when I was reading it, because I read it before Charlotte, and I Uh was like, you need to read this because what the fuck is happening? Oh, my God. So, Riley, how many red pepper emojis do you give it? I think I'd give it four and a half. All right. And do you think Aiden is sexy? I do. Yeah. He is is sexy. Uh, Would you trade places with Kayla? No, I don't (laughs) want to be killed. Do you want to be dead? (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to be a ghost? No, I don't. So next week, we're going to be telling Riley all about Charming Your Dad by Sarah Blue. And we're going to have her look at the cover and give us her best guess on what it might be about. (gasps) Okay, what is is that little thing on the cover? It's a planchette. Yeah. A planchette? Uh Uh-huh. I don't know what that is, but I know it's like a witchy thing. The little Ouija board thing for the letters. Yes. So I think it'll be some type of like girl, maybe witchy girl, trying to get someone's dad to fall in love with her. Okay. I don't know. 
something to that sort. Okay. It's a good guess. I think she's going to fuck someone's dad. I think so, too. Me, too. Hell, yeah. Well, if you liked this episode, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Smut Up and Listen Podcast and on TikTok at Smut Up and Listen. Tell your friends, but not your mom. And we'll see you later, you horny little rats.